Martin was talking not so much for Osborne's benefit as to impress a woman who had entered behind him and was awaiting her turn. He wondered why, in his mental quest, he had not thought of her. Here was the very person for whom he was looking. Rose Conroy, the editor of the Better Local Weekly, a year or so younger than himself, pleasant, capable. Here was a real woman, one above the average in character and brains. With a quick glance he took in her well-built figure. Everything about Rose, every line, every tone of her coloring suggested warmth, generosity, bigness. She was as much above medium height for a woman as Martin for a man. About her temples the line of her bright golden-brown hair had an oddly pleasing irregularity. The rosy color in her cheeks brought out the rich, creamy whiteness of her skin. Warm, gray-blue eyes were set far apart beneath a kind, broad forehead, and her wide, generous mouth seemed made to smile. This impression of good temper and fun was accented by her nose, ever so slightly uptilted. Some might have thought Rose too large, her hips too rounded, the soft, deep bosom too full, but Martin's eyes were approving. Even her hands, plump with broad palms, square fingers, and well-kept nails, suggested decision. He felt the quiet distinction of her simple white dress. She was like a full-blown, luxuriant white-and-gold flower, like a rose, a full-blown white rose Martin realized suddenly. One couldn't call her pretty, but there was something about her that gave the impression of sumptuous good looks. He liked, too, the spirited carriage of her head. Healthy, good sense, sound all through, was his final appraisement. Pocketing his bank book, he gave her a sharp nod and a colorless, how-de-do, Miss Rose, and a tip of the hat that might have been a little less stiff had he been more accustomed to greeting the ladies. Right well, thank you, Martin, was her cordial response, and her friendly smile told him she had heard and understood the remarks about the big deal. He was curious to know how it had impressed her. Hurrying out, he asked himself how he could begin advances. Either he must do something quickly in time to get home for the evening chores, or he must wait until another day. He must think out a plan at once. Passing the bakery halfway down the block, he dropped in, ordered a chocolate ice cream soda, and chose a seat near the window. As he had expected, it was not long before he saw Rose go across the courthouse yard toward her office on the north side of the square. He liked the swift, easy way in which she walked. She had been walking the first time he had ever seen her, thirteen years before, when her father had led his family uptown from the station the day of their arrival in Fallon. Patrick Conroy had come from Sharon, Illinois, to perform the thankless task of starting a weekly newspaper in a town already undernourishing one. By sheer stubbornness he had at last established it. Twelve hundred subscribers, their little printing jobs, advertisers who bought liberal portions of space at ten cents an inch, all had enabled him to give his children a living that was a shade better than an existence. He had died less than a year ago, and Martin, like the rest of the community, had supposed the Fallon Independent would be sold or suspended. Instead, as quietly and matter-of-factly as she had filled her dead mother's place in the home while her brothers and sisters were growing up, Rose stepped into her father's business, took over the editorship, and with a boy to do the typesetting and press work, continued the paper without missing an issue. 
It even paid a little better than before, partly because it flattered Fallon's sense of Christian helpfulness to throw whatever it could in Rose's way, but chiefly because she made the Independent a livelier sheet with double the usual number of personals. Yes, decidedly, Rose had force and push. Martin's mind was made up. He would drop into the Independent ostensibly to extend his subscription, but really to get on more intimate terms with the woman whom he had now firmly determined should become his wife. He drew a deep breath of relaxation and finished the glass of sweetness with that sense of self-conscious sheepishness which most men feel when they surrender to the sticky charms of an ice cream soda. A few minutes later he stood beside Rose's worn desk.